look now at our all-important radar defense screen. But your regenerated circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes concatenation in the intermediate amplifiers. Initiated startup sequence. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a new edition of an all-student-centered version of the Bishop O'Connell uh, English Department podcast. I'm Mr. Meehan with you here, as always, and this week we're talking about a brand new book in our school's curriculum from this summer, uh, Walker Percy's The Moviegoer, which I had a chance to read when I went to Catholic University, and so I was like, why not? Let's make students suffer through or enjoy this one together uh, here at O'Connell. Um, it is a fantastic book. Uh, Walker Percy is brilliant, and it's won the National Book Award, I believe, in 1963, though my year might be off on that. Um, maybe someone smart at this table can correct me on it. Um, but I do have smart people here to help me out, and they're already trying to, to bust me on things. So why don't I introduce my, uh, my panel today. Expert panel of students, brand new to Honors American Literature. It's 62. Gosh, I was off by one year. That's what I get. I have, I have, my, Thanks, I have, I have rust on, on me. Um, well, why don't I go around and introduce everybody. Uh, we'll say hi, and we'll get started today with uh, some Walker Percy discussion. To my far left, uh, let me pronounce the names right, it's Kirsten Knopf, yes? yes. And your, yes. your voice is a little out yeah. of it this weekend because you were at the football game? Yes. But you're feeling good. You said you came I'm ready for this great. podcast. Yes. I'm on a scale ready. of 1 to 10, you put yourself where right now? 7.63. I like it. I like, I like that, that numerical average. It, it clearly wasn't made up. It was, yeah. it was, it was derived. Excellent. Um, to your right, my, I guess my next left, is Abby Deniger. How are you feeling today? Um, pretty good. Um, pretty yeah. good. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, we're calling it a like a five, six. Better than Binks Bowling. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Well, we can start with that. Um, uh, to your right, we have uh, Miss Sophia Stahlnager. Did I get that right? Yes. The last name was hard for me to pronounce before we went on air. I, I didn't want to get wrong. It's German. Got yeah. it. Um, cool story. Yeah. Do you speak German? No. But you but you know how to say Stahlnager, which is like one more German word yes. than I have. I know how to say Gesundheit. Fantastic. So if anybody sneezes, we're covered. Excellent. Um, to your right, uh, Hannah Pinn. Yes. And is, is, what, what, what sort of last name is Pinn? Um, it's actually Italian. It's one of the few last names that doesn't end in a vowel. It's Italian. Really? Yes. That's kind of cool. Wow. <laughs> Guys, we're learning so much about each other. Uh, my mom is Italian, 100%. Um, she's Italian very short. Too. Right. Guys, we have hashtag <laughs> memories. Um, and then to your right, we have, let me get this right, Jennifer Joseph. Yes. yes which is like, sounded like two first names, but Joseph is actually your last name. Yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling today, Jennifer? Um, I'd go with a 7. Slightly lower than the 7.63. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm about the 7. So you're, you're somewhere towards that south end of the spectrum compared to, but better than Bing's Bowling. Definitely. All right, well, let's talk about Bing's Bowling. Let's talk about the moviegoer. Um, this summer, uh, students in the Honors American Literature classes, uh, for the first time, had a chance to take a look at this book, winner of the National Book Award in 1962, uh, Walker Percy's The Moviegoer. It is uh, a super, super existential book. It's like about an existential crisis, somebody going through a moment of trying to figure out who they are and how they fit into the world. Um, it is an unapologetically Catholic book, which is a great thing to work in our American literature uh, curriculum. Yet at the same time, our main character, Jack Bowling or John Bowling or Binks Bowling, he has like eight names throughout the book, um, he doesn't really know who he is and he doesn't know if Catholic seems to fit in with his life. Um, let me just start with like an open question for everybody. What was our general read on this guy? Did we like him? Do we feel bad for him? Do we feel like he was, um, could you identify with him? Anybody can jump in with anything you want to say. 
I think he's just kind of like the average person because a lot of people are caught up in everydayness like him, but he was he stepped out and wanted to actually search for something more. Most people are just kind of like stuck in the everyday rut. Okay. Uh, so it makes him different. Hannah's saying the everydayness, you could identify with that yes. part. Sophia? I felt like the book overall, like it, at first I kind of got from Binks that he was very a very negative personality, which I didn't identify with as easily. Okay, so you felt that even though he was caught up in that everydayness, he was on the, the, the negative end of, yeah. of things. Jennifer, agree, disagree? Um, I agree with that, but I want to go back to Hannah's point about being stuck in everydayness. Um, he says that when you're stuck in everydayness, you're in despair, and then you can't continue your search, which is his whole internal conflict is this search that he's always on, which I think a lot of people can identify with, but for like a search for their purpose or their identity. Um, but he says when you're in everydayness, it's hard to continue that search. So that everydayness kind of gets in the way of your searching for deeper meaning or things of value. Abby, you're nodding ahead. Um, do you feel like this search is something that we could identify with as people, or do you feel like as a reader you had a hard time identifying because he was so negative? No, I think I understand. Um, he was really negative, but at the same time, you're always kind of looking for something that you don't have. And in the book, his search was for authenticity, I think was his main point. And it was after he came back from the war that he decided to like continue with his search. Right. And I think he wasn't going about it the right way because all he was doing was like having flings and like cared about money and stuff. And then his movies, but um, towards the end, once he like finds Kate. He sort of normalizes. Yeah, and um, then his search kind of ends because... Because there's some sort of destination. I don't know. Kirsten, did we like him? Did we not like him? Do we feel I like... I mean, I would be friends with Binks. You'd be, be friends with him? Yeah, he, he seems like an interesting person. You would go to a movie with him? Differently. Yeah, I would definitely go to a movie with him. You wouldn't be concerned that, as, as he does with a lot of... <laughs> not like that, not like that. <laughs> Because he has a habit of in the movie like finding like you know you know young women and going out to movies with them just because he's kind of like he's kind of like a player. Be his next secretary. Okay. Because well, this is a good point, and, and Kirsten, you're kind of laughing about it, but I think it's 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 on this topic here. It's like he goes through this pattern of just like moving through the motions with people. He doesn't really make meaningful connections. And he said he wouldn't want to be his next secretary. He has like a string of like relationships with, mm -hmm. with, with girls who work for him. Yes. Um, does he seem fulfilled by this? Did you like? Did you get the sense that he was? Validated or like made to feel happy with what, what he's going through. I feel like he I remember with Linda That was the first one mm -hmm. he like I remember him describing their date and how she almost like she only felt happy like when She when he made her happy, but like when he was happy she wasn't so he was like what am I like doing like And I feel like he just like kind of just like went through the girls and like he's like oh like I love you so much but then like the next day, he's like, well, this is kind of awkward, and I feel the awkward. Yeah, I'm on page five of the book. Actually, text evidence is great, right? On page five, he talks about Linda and how great she was, and then she was unhappy for the same reason he was happy. And then he says, but this is all history. Linda and I have parted company. I have a new secretary, a girl named Sharon Kincaid. So he's like going through the motions, rinse and repeat. That doesn't really make these women feel um, valued, and he doesn't feel valued by that. Um, Sophia, you, you had a thought about that. Oh, I was just saying, like, in today's world, there are so many people. Maybe it has to do something it could relate to some Catholic, like, values about how, like, marriage and stuff like that. But um, that there are so many people in today's world who just have, like, flings, and it, they're, like, continually, like, having so many, but it doesn't really mean anything in the end. Yeah. And it's kind of to, like, when people 
the they only change when they turn back and they reflect on what they're actually doing. It's kind of like the, nothing's really going well, and what am I getting out of these relationships? So seeking to fill things from the outside when they're really un unfulfilled on the inside. Jennifer, you, you agree to disagree? Um, what is your point about like the relationships? Um, well, it's about Kate. So. Okay, she can go first. Okay, I was gonna so, say, Hannah, you had a point about Kate and the fulfillment or lack thereof. Yeah, once um, once he kind of met Kate, she was the first person who he actually had to like work work with and right. um, who kind of challenged him. So then I guess that kind of connected them together because the other girls just went, came and went, and he didn't really have to do anything. So that that idea of a search or a pursuit, yeah, he, had he was value. Pursuing, yeah. Um, because we saw somebody else who was like a fellow traveler on, on a search. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys read The Alchemist or something when you right? Yes. The idea about like meeting people in pursuit of their personal destiny or their personal yeah. personal journeys or something like that. Um, recognizing that in someone else and it's, it's almost mm -hmm. like a spark that says well, yeah. there's something of depth and, and interest yeah, exactly. about this person. Um, Jennifer, you have a thought? Um, when you said the point about how when he has his secretaries he like falls in love with them kind of in like uh, taking them out on dates way, not really right. like, deep love. Um, but then it ends, and he's like, "Well, we're we parted. It's fine. Like it's over." Like then the end. The end. Yeah, he's like, "All right." <laughs> that was the most awkward a transition he, I had. There, just like he just goes into like the next relationship, and goes on another movie date. Back to the movies. And so it reminds me of the movie, The Fifty First Dates, or whatever. Yeah, Fifty First Dates. Yeah, that's uh, what yeah. reminds me. That the it idea just, just came to my mind. Forgetting things yeah. over and over again. Every night when he goes to sleep, sort of starting over. And, or like how he just went through a bunch of girls, and yeah. he's just like, all right, bye. And he moved on to the next one, next tourist that came in. Right. Oh, right, because Adam Sandler's character in that is like a, a local or local mm -hmm. on the island, and he does well to like take advantage of people who don't know the island. So he's able to meet new people, stay as long as they're there, and then when he's leave, he's like, all right, bye, and repeats the process. But he leaves feeling unfulfilled. Yeah. And that was very Binks Bowling-esque. Um, I saw uh, the thought, uh, uh, Sophia, go ahead. Okay. On page eight, uh, text Binks, evidence, yes, go. Minks talk about, uh, quote, I would like to say that I had made conquests of these splendid girls, my secretaries, casting them off one after the other like old gloves, but it would not be strictly true. And then the next page, he goes on to say, no, they were not conquests, for in the end, my Lindas and I were so sick of each other that we were delighted to say goodbye. And I think that sums up his relationships perfectly. Yeah, yeah. he's just, he's yeah. like, you know, chew him up and spit him out, and he feels spit out, and he's unfulfilled by everything, even though he has a lot of things happening to him or around him. Uh, Jen? Um, what I wanted to say about the point that he goes through relationships and how he ended it with, I think it was Linda, was that he was like, it's over, on to the next one, was that on page nine, again, a little further down from what Sophia just said, it says, um, about his giving up, um, where is it? He's talking about his life and that he used to have, um, where is it? But there is much to be said for giving up such great grand ambitions and living the most ordinary life imaginable. And then later it says, it's not a bad life at all. So he's kind of in like this denial stage. Yeah. That with the women, he like goes with these girls and he loves them and has a great time and then it's over and he's like, well, that's over. And, Onto the next well, one. he feels it like he's, he's kind of rinse and repeat through a process. Let me ask you a question. This is a tough one, and this is a high school class, so it's hard to maybe know the answer to it. Like, love. It doesn't have to be romantic love. Um, is there a moment in this novel um, where you see something approaching love um, from Binks or towards Binks? Is there a character or an interaction that you sort of got the sense that, wow, this is maybe the closest thing to love that this guy has or, or, or is taking a look at? I mean, uh, so I think his, like, the realest relationship he has throughout the book is with his half-sibling, Lonnie. High five! 
That's my favorite character. Good, let's talk about it. Um, so, I kind of felt like Lonnie, since he's sick, that Binks doesn't really, like, try to keep, like, this whole air of, like, mystery around him, because yeah. he just is, like, what he is. And so they have, like, discussions about religion and everything that Binks kind of, like, Binks kind of shies away from with all his other, like, moving parts in his life. So I guess just, like, when Lonnie, it's just the relationship between Lonnie and Binks is kind of, like, the most established. Yeah, Lonnie shows up around characters. page 137 of the book, um, and he's there for, uh, so, by way of character background, um, Binks, uh, his mother remarried. Um, married married a guy whose last name is Smith, which is like super generic. Um, and then while her, his mom becomes a Smith, just another mom, just another background character, um, he has like a half family that he's not really close to. Um, but in them, he has a, a, about a 14-year-old brother, half-brother, um, named Lonnie, and uh, Binks has a special connection with him. Uh, and when they have these moments of conversation, even though his brother is, is ill, it's almost like more real, maybe because it's, there's no point in that pretense. Uh, go ahead, Sophia. Um, I have a quote to support that uh, fact that like the relationship is so real. On page 137, he says, uh, he is my favorite, to tell the truth. Like me, he is a moviegoer. He will go see anything. But we are good friends because he knows I do not feel sorry for him. And I think that last sentence, for feeling sorry for someone, a lot of the times fake relationships can uh, come out of or spring out of, um, you know, like pity. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes they're not genuine, so. And do you get the vibe that um, Lonnie, because um, he is he's infirm, he's in a wheelchair, and, and by the end of the novel, spoiler, he dies. Um, <laughs> sorry. Hepatitis. Yeah, right, he dies of hepatitis, right? That's quite quite awful. Don't go to tropical smoothie. There it is. We learned, <laughs> we learned so much. Stay out of tropical smoothie. Um, and Chipotle has salmonella. There's so many places we can't go for now food. Um, and lettuce. And, and lettuce, right? <laughs> um, we're, we're laughing at the dark stuff. Um, but, but, but Lonnie is... I don't get the vibe that Binks pities him. I get the vibe that he 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 really keeps it real with him, um, and he has that moment that it seems like Lonnie, of all the characters in this book, is actually closest to faith. They're closest to redemption. Um, he represents something that's so different than the everydayness that Binks is kind of fighting through. Uh, Jennifer, you thought? I thought. Nope. Sorry. Oh, wait, uh, is yours on Binks? No, I mean, not on Binks, on, on, on Lonnie. Yeah. Okay, go on. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right, so it's Abby first and then John. Okay, um, just also with Lonnie, I think, like what you were saying about how there's no fakeness, it's like, since I feel like Binks' search is for authenticity, he has, like, that with Bonnie. So his search kind of, like, fades away when he's with Bonnie, but then with everybody else, it's like... A continuous is kind of like that's all background noise and it's his search yeah. because he's sort of moving through what he calls the malaise the everyday yeah. the, the just the dreariness and somebody who encounters death on an everyday basis is forced to maybe live life more more authentically and Lonnie mm -hmm. certainly does a lot of that Jennifer I think Gabby had made a good point there but thanks um, switching the relationship between now Banks and Kate who was his most um, like I guess you would say closest to love, though it's not really a love relationship. Closest to a romantic love. But it's love like that the a romantic presents. relationship, right. other than like a brother. Um, on page 192, it's a conversation between um, Binks and Kate. And um, one of them, I can't, I don't know, I can't read the whole thing. But one of them says, one look at you and I have to laugh. Do you think that's sufficient ground for marriage? And the other one says, as good as any, better than love. So I don't think their romantic relationship is is the closest one he has to love. I think Abby's is closer to like a genuine love. But 
they're still that's still like the most formed romantic relationship he's gonna get and right. because they both are such um, complicated people right that was a very maybe, diplomatic way to say that. Maybe <laughs> there's a brokenness about the characters right maybe they're not their romantic um, relationship that they're gonna have in their life isn't gonna be one based on love it's gonna be something like this yeah this conversation here um, so it's uh, um, Kate is talking about breaking off a relationship with Merle and says you know um, she goes, you know, he, he didn't even take me seriously. Yeah. She actually says, and it's really either dark or funny, she says, I could break wind and he'd give me the same congratulations kind of look. Um, you're, you're crazier than I am. One look at you and I have to laugh. You think that's the grounds for marriage? Um, she's trying to put on how people around her have put on these fakeries. And she's like, I would rather be, be real and authentic. Um, do we, I mean, like, let's make some predictions here. At the end, they get married. Is it a happily ever after marriage? Do we, do we... Do we feel like, on a scale of 1 to 10, they're rocking and rolling here? Um, Sophia? Yes. Um, well, not on... <laughs> Was that yes? Like, yes, they, they're going to be That's my name. <laughs> oh, yes, um. it is your name. Not yes, you're rooting for them, like, they, it turned out like that. Um, so I was just commenting on, after, I don't think it was, like, the, definitely not, like, oh, happily ever after Cinderella in the castle. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was definitely, I felt like they got pretty real with each other. Like, even at the end, uh, Binks was like, okay, yeah, we'll get married, but, it's not the exact quote, but, it's like, <laughs> you got to stop, like, hurting yourself. Like, you have to try. And I think that's, like, so many people would treat her like a child throughout the book, especially in Emily, that mm -hmm. in the end, like, she really liked him because... He kind of like treated her like she was. They could talk about like her screwed upness. Yeah, <laughs> they really connected. Problems. On yeah, like they connected. Yeah. They were both kind of messed up. So this, know, even though they, they both helped each other equally, like they were both it was mm -hmm. equally beneficial yeah. to both of them because they could connect and help each other. Like so so let me ask this question because they say that like millennials, that's y'all. Sorry, but that's that's your that's your thing. You take Uber to places and you don't believe in stuff. They they feel like this generation of millennials is the least likely to um, like accept labels. Like you don't like to be labeled one thing or another. Um, and you're the most likely to recognize authenticity, like above all things. You don't have brand loyalty. You just sort of like, hey, I don't need to own a car. I just need to get somewhere. So I'm going to Uber someplace and you just push a button. And when Uber doesn't work, I'll lift. I don't care. Like you don't have this sort of family commitment to things. You don't work for a company for like 35 years and like retire with them. You guys bounce around. And that, that's just part of being a, a new generation. Um, which, which is a very different paradigm shift. And I feel that this book, even though written in the 1960s, kind of does strike a chord with millennials because it's a guy who says, look, I'm going to be real with you. I'm messed up. I think that you're kind of messed up too. And I'm going to be honest about that. And I think we have a better chance of getting through this if we can accept the truth of our, our awkward situations. Um, did we feel overall like if you had to sell this book to another reader, another student of, of your age, um, is there a way you can say, hey, you know what? It, this book is worth reading because blank. Like, as, as a person of you know, 16, 17 years old, there's there's some tough stuffs in here, but something you might take away from it um, as an appealing, you know, takeaway point. Or maybe it's not appealing to millennials. Maybe we just totally mis misjudged it. Um, Kirsten, you're giving me sort of a sideways glance. Like, I mean, well, I had a comment about, like, um, how Aunt Emily treated her like a child. Like, Aunt Emily knew that Binks was, like, the only one that could, like, talk to Kate about that stuff. So right. Like, she kind of, like, brought them together. Do you do you recognize um, that this feels true to, a, a, like, a teenage experience today, a young adult experience, that there's often influence from a, a generation above us as young young adults mm -hmm. who try to shape you or shoehorn you into, into, into molds that you may not necessarily fit? 
Yeah. 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 Wow, they're that. all saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, we sound happy like Binks. I mean, like, so if we, had to, <laughs> if we had to get someone excited about the book or, like, worth reading it, it's worth checking out because dot, dot, dot. Can you finish that sentence? Um, or maybe it's not worth checking out because dot, dot, dot. Um, it was, like, a different book from, like, books I'm used to reading. What do you mean by that? It's, like, his, like, it's, like, to me, it was, like, his thoughts and, like, what he was going to, and, like, that's not usually, like, what... There's not a lot of plot. There's not a lot of plot. A lot of time spent up in his head, sort of watching his wheels spin. Um, Jennifer, you're nodding on that point. I agree that there's not a lot of plot, and it's very like thought-based, and it's it's kind of interesting hearing him talking about this search, and it's a little hard to follow, but the search idea and like being in despair and everydayness, and um, there's one word that was like the pain of loss, and yeah. like all these big ideas that he has that he's trying to sort through. It's pretty. And then you get distracted by the everydayness, and it keeps happening again. But his search gets interrupted. Mm -hmm. Hannah. And it's also kind of cool to see the different like personalities of the different characters and how they all go together, and you can kind of relate it to to real people. And even the fake, like the fakeness that the characters put yeah, on, feels like a real fakeness, right? Yeah. Like we we all know people who call us nicknames, and they're like, "Hey, old sport," and you're like, "Stop!" Don't. Yeah. Do, that. <laughs> um, do you ever make microwave like a burrito, like from mm -hmm. Chipotle, and then? As you like are trying to eat it, you realize you didn't microwave it all the way through, and so it's kind of cold in the middle. Yeah, yeah, but you're kind of like, ah, oh, well, what's the point? I'm going to die soon anyway. It's like <laughs> that's what this book feels like to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sophia, <laughs> there you go. That should be uh, that should be on the commercial for it. Um, so, Sophia, Abby, you guys get the last words for the day. Oh, I was just saying, I well, um, especially I think the book uh, can like, although it's a little, you know. A little strange, like, especially like marrying your half sister is yeah, a little bit. Like, half cousin, yeah, through marriage, right? I don't right, know right. what's. I, oh, yeah, half cousin. <laughs> I don't. I right. didn't really understand until the end of the book that it was. I thought they were related at first. Right. Was, like, no. That was no. that was Ethan Frome, but, right? We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Um, but I felt like what was Jen saying with like a lot of the themes of like the pain of loss and stuff, and uh, themes of try everyone trying to find authentic authenticity um, those are definitely some themes that although it's kind of displayed in an unusual way than we're used to hearing it definitely um, it definitely can identify like a lot of people can identify with it Abby last word for the day oh, um, you guys all did a really good job I was so mad I'm not really okay um, yeah I really liked the book I just thought it was kind of like you get like a little like peek into somebody's brain who's not like our age and they're older and they've kind of like done a bunch of stuff yeah. Now they don't really know what they're doing, and it's just kind of interesting, like thinking about that and how that could happen to you. But then also reading about this and like seeing like ways to like make sure you're kind of avoiding the everydayness. Right. Every so day. you don't fall into that same sort of trap. <laughs> every day. That, but yeah, every day. <laughs> All right. Well, on that on that cheery note, um, if you guys have uh, more comments or thoughts on uh, future podcasts, please feel free to tweet at me. I'm at me handyjo. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Ladies, round of applause. You kicked some butt today. <laughs> Thanks again, and we'll see you next Thank week. You for having us.